right, this is Gary Parrish from CBSSports.com. Again, it's uh, now Monday, March 9th. This is the Ion College Basketball Podcast. And I'm joined, as always, on Mondays by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini. And I, I want to start uh, with the great debate from Saturday night, and that's Murray State. The Racers lost, of course, in the OVC Championship game, and it was a tremendous game. Just a fun 40 minutes of basketball. Belmont wins. Murray State loses. Uh, clearly, I, I think the Racers... I think most people agree with this. They do not have the type of resume uh, for an at-large bid. They just don't. It's not even debatable, really. Still, Norlander, I want to start with you. Um, will Murray State get in despite not having a resume? And if Murray State doesn't get in, is this some sort of flaw in the system that a team with an All-American level guard can go 16-0 and in its league and still get left out of the NCAA tournament because of a one-point loss uh, in a title game that also happened, and this really hadn't been stated much, I don't think, happened to be played in Nashville. Nashville or <laughs> Belmont State. Game. Yeah, which right. made it a semi-road game. Uh, first, any chance Murray State gets in despite not having the resume to get them there? And if not, um, is this a flaw in the system? I can't see. All right, they have a, all right so they have a chance purely because there is – with the selection committee, they have certain protocols and rules in place. And if you win your regular season championship in any league, no matter what, you can be in the SWAC, you can be in the MAC, you can be in the MAC. It doesn't matter. You automatically are put under an under-consideration board. So they will be debated. Murray State's resume will be looked at uh, extensively. The committee meets in you know, less than 48 hours here. It's actually, I got to admit, even though I'm not there, I find that extremely exciting. A bunch of people meeting in a room I won't be at, and I'm very giddy over it. Um, so they have a chance in that regard. I just can't, uh, every team is different. Every year is different. Every selection, every bracket is its own universe, so to speak. But there just is not precedent for a resume as bad as Murray State's to have ever received an at-large bid. Which is a bummer because I do think this is a flaw in the system um, because if you watch that game, it's recognized that Murray State's really good. It's got a future NBA player. Cameron Payne could start, honestly, at almost every program in the country. Uh, the way they play, the coach they have, uh, it's a program that also is, you know, it's, it's a good program, period. This isn't a flash-in-the-pan kind of school, one-year kind of run. Um, so when you take that into consideration, plus, you know, it start, the argument was made, um, and I think this is very valid, and I think it's true almost across the board. I mean, I tweeted it, you tweeted it, I saw plenty of tweet, people tweet it. The fact is, people would rather see a 12th-seeded Murray State team than see a Texas A&M, an Illinois, an Ole Miss Big conference teams that had chances, lost them. They don't really f bring anyone in outside of their own fan base because inherently they're just not that interesting. They don't have stars. So from a – and I, the committee should not and does not do this, I understand. But from a um, <laughs> an appeal perspective and from a marketing perspective, you're going to get more enjoyment out of getting Murray State there. And I will say – and I'll let Sam hop in here – that I found it um, – Interesting that we had it wasn't the first one because I remember I, I've I've blogged maybe once or twice about this in the past a uh, few years with Twitter but this was the longest and most uh, thoughtful and most heartfelt campaign from a player I've ever seen Murray State's Justin Seymour basically went on a twenty tweet um, thoughtful 
I wouldn't say it's a plea. I would just say he, he, he said, listen, national media is counting us out. I think that's wrong. Um, I know that the committee, I trust the committee will look at us. They'll see who we are, how good we are. It was, uh, it was impressively uh, convincing in how genuine it came off. And so, you know, if the committee sees that, you can't read those tweets as a human being and not take their situation into account. So there is a flaw in the system. Um, and I know we're going to get to how we could fix that, and I and I agree with that. Uh, but and I would love it. By the way, I would love it if Murray State made it this year. I can't, I can't reasonably say that it's going to happen because they don't have the resume, and it's not their fault. No, it's not their fault. And I, you know, I, I read the tweets, and and I, I get all of it. Let me be very clear. I want Murray State in the field. Like I do the poll attacks every Monday about the AP and coaches poll. There will be no NCAA tournament selection committee attack if Murray State's in. I would prefer them in. I think they're good enough to be in. I think they could, as a 12 seed, beat a five. Have well, not lost since November. Well, well, they did. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. 25, uh, 25 in a row. No, to uh, me, if you win 25 in a row, no matter what league you're in, that signals like you're, you're extremely good. I, agree, I know I, that it can. I agree. In terms of seating, that's different. I understand, but like it, it, no one else is winning twenty-five in a row except for Kentucky. Okay, I no, mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I want a man. They're just, but Sam, like, you, you hop in here. There's just the resume's not there, is there? I mean, it's just not. No, you have to ignore everything you're supposed to not ignore to put them in as an at-large. That's the truth. Yeah, like Middle, Middle Tennessee State got in a couple years ago with like one top fifty win and like maybe two or three top 100 wins. It was a really goofy, goofy circumstance. And they got in and then they got like housed in the first four, I think. So I think the committee is going to look at that and be a little gun shy. Even Jerry Palm tweeted that out. Uh, I hope that's not again. the case. The idea they of, should not yeah, I, I, listen, if you want to say Murray State doesn't belong in because they don't belong in, that's fine. To bring an MTSU is insane to me because that's like, look, that's like looking at this Kentucky team and going, you know what? I don't know about a one seed because, I mean, remember back in 2010, they were a one and like you saw what happened there. I mean, like right. it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, what, I agree yeah, with that. Right. I'm just saying like, hey, like a lot of bracketology people have said, hey. Oh, no, no, no. I've heard the same thing. I just yeah. think it's crazy. I've heard it, but, though. Yeah. But looking at Murray's resume in general, they have four top 150 wins. Right. Like that, that's just not going to get it done. They have one top uh, one one fifty plus loss. Uh, Portland winning, I guess, kind of helped them because they had two top one or two bottom one fifty losses before Portland won over the weekend over St. Mary's. But the other problem with Murray State's resume is that they got trounced by Xavier and Valpo early in the season. Right. Like we're talking like 25, 30 point losses. Sure. And Xavier, for instance, is another one of those bubble teams who I think their resume is a little bit weaker than it's get being given credit for. Uh, having looked at them, they're they're like nineteen and twelve, I think, and that that's not particularly great in my mind. They're not like a they haven't been playing well down the stretch. It feels like, um, so you know, it wouldn't. I guess it wouldn't surprise me, and I'd be ecstatic if Murray State got in, but I really don't see it happening. Yeah. I, I just can't see a way that they that the committee looks at them and says, I I okay, they they have a better resume than Illinois. I'd rather I, see them than Illinois, but there's just there's just no way. Yeah, I mean that, that's yeah, the, and, that's the truth. I mean like I want them in, but you would have to as the committee chair then, you know, chatting with Greg Gumble Sunday night, basically, you know, stare into a camera and say, "We just put them in because we we thought they belonged. We ignored all the stuff that we do not ignore in every yeah. other place." 
and just put them in to put them in. Like, cause that's the only explanation because once you start doing, and you see this all the time now, like on, um, you know, during broadcast, whether it's CBS broadcaster, ESPN broadcast or Fox sports one broadcast, um, they do the blonde resume thing and then they go, Ooh, look, that's Buffalo's resume, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. If you do the blind resume thing for Murray State, it's just it's just not there. It's not their fault, but it's not there. Right, and then uh, and that's where, unfortunately, the the small schools are just putting in an impossible bind where you've got these you know do or die games. This is why November games and December games can matter because for schools like this, they can really come back to bite you. Because the fact of the matter is, uh, no one is going to play Murray State at Murray State if they can dodge it you know it's just they can't get the opportunities because it's a legit you know it is a legit mid-major program with a really good coach um Cameron Payne coming into the season within coaching circles I mean people knew who he was uh the public is now just finding out that he's awesome but um the point is the committee has to go off of what the team has done and can't really concern itself with the fact that a program like Murray State is not at a level like Gonzaga, which can now schedule home and right. homes because it's taken more than 10 years to kind of earn that respect and uh, across the board. So it's unfortunate, but I think that's the, the fact of the matter. Um, and what I will be interested to see is with the first four and the teams that the first four teams that don't make it, that don't get in, those teams will be one seeds in the NIT. I do think you will see Murray State get a one seed in the NIT. That's probably true. So let's uh, let's see if we can all find common ground here. We all love Cameron Payne and Murray State. We all want Murray State in the field of 68. None of us think it'll actually happen for all of the reasons we've already stated, which suggests there is a, a major flaw here. Now, I, I guess if you wanted to counter-argue this, you'd just say, hey, it's not a major flaw. We're leaving a team out of a tournament designed to crown a national champion that has no chance of winning the national championship. So, like, what's the flaw? Who cares? And I, I get that. If you want to like look at it strictly that way, I get it. But as long as we're creating a 68 team tournament, uh, I think it's I think that there's a flaw in the system if you can win 25 in a row, run through your league, and then lose a one point, and then have your whole season reduced to a weekend or, or re- reduced to you know a final minute of a semi road game. You know I. I just, I don't like that. And, you know, who doesn't like it more than me? All the dudes who coach in those leagues. Because your entire career is boiled down to a weekend after a four-month uh, a season. And so the other night, I sort of, you know, I, I was just, you know, watching, observing like like everybody else was. And I'm just like, okay, it, if we all agree that it'd be cool to have Murray State in, and we all agree that who cares about these stupid power conference bubble teams that have done nothing but... Uh, produced uh, mediocrity consistently, like Texas A&M and Indiana and Illinois and so on and so forth, Uh, is there a way to fix it? And so I don't want to say I invented this idea. I'm sure somebody smarter than I have, uh, uh, me, has thought of it before. Yeah, I like the idea. I have seen this before. Right, okay, yeah. But it it just sort of popped into my head. Why not this? Take all the, the, uh, the automatic bids, and throw them in the main bracket like it used to be. That way, if you win the SWAX auto bid, you actually get to play in the main draw because 
I don't care how many times somebody from the NCAA tries to tell us that the first four is, you know, it's just the same as being in the tournament. No, it's not. Nobody, nobody really thinks that. And for like a hundred million reasons, it's not the same. Like, first off, you don't get to enjoy being a quote NCAA tournament team quite as long. Like at least worst case scenario used to be, or if you're in the main bracket now, you get to enjoy that Sunday to Thursday situation. Now it might be a Sunday to Tuesday situation. You're not, you, you might not get a chance to, to play a game that you can always tell your kids about. Like, I've got high school friends who played against the Jackson Murrah team with uh, Othella Harrington and Ronnie Henderson and all those dudes, and they still talk about that. They got their brains beat in, but they're like, yeah, we played against that Jackson Murrah team that had Othella Harrington. And so it on a different level, it's the same thing. Like, you're a 16 seed. You're going to get blasted by Kentucky, but at least you get to get blasted by Kentucky. You get to play against, coach against John Calipari and play against Carl Anthony Towns. And those are things you can say you did forever instead of playing some other, you know, you know, low major team in Dayton on a Tuesday night. So no one, no one picks the brackets until it's at 64. I mean, right. I'm right here with you. Yeah. I so, mean, it's, so it's the, I listen, the first four is fine, but it, I guess I can do without it. But like, since we haven't, it's fine. But let's not pretend it's the same as being in the same, in the main draw. It's just not. So, okay, we're going to take all the auto bids, and we're going to make them, put them in the main draw. You win the swag, you're in the main draw. 60, okay, so now we've got the first four. We've got eight teams. Make four of them true at large versus true at large. All right? So that's true at large versus true at large, true at large versus true at large, and that's fine. And then make the other two games, make it the best team from a one-bid league that didn't get the auto bid versus another best team from a one-bid league that didn't get the auto. And really, then, all you lose is four at-large, normal at-large teams. So in this particular year, like at this moment, you would lose Indiana, Ole Miss, Illinois, Texas A&M. Anybody offended? <laughs> Only those fan bases. No, really. I, I don't I mean, even know if those fan bases would be offended. You think Indiana fans would sit there and scream about how wrong it is to not make the uh, tournament? Uh, what? <laughs> what? Oh, I mean, listen. I don't... <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you Texas know, A&M. No. Here's but... my thing. You can look at Indiana, Illinois, A&M, and Ole Miss, and point to ten different things they could have done differently in the past two months to put themselves in a better position. You can't do that with a Murray State or with a Stephen F. Austin if it slips up, or right. if a Iona if it slips up. You can point to ten different things at, with India, probably more honestly, and say, "Hey, if you'd have done this on this day, or this on this day, or this mm-hmm. on this day, or this on this day, you would have been fine." And so, if we lose four, and nothing against those four schools, those are just the last four in, according to Jerry Palm right now. I don't feel sorry for any of them. They're all power conference schools that had uh, plenty of opportunity. Whereas, um, you know, think of it as a as a uh, hitter in baseball. They got twenty strikes. They got they got to see twenty pitches. Murray State gets one basically. They get one pitch. Uh, Texas A&M gets twenty. So whatever. And then and then you create a safety net with this with this plan uh, for teams that were excellent. In the league schedule from one-bid leagues, just in case what happens to Murray State on this past Saturday, you know, happens again. So, you know, in theory, it creates a safety net for a Buffalo or a Murray State or a Stephen F. Austin or an Iona or whatever. And um, beyond that, how about this? I'll take it a step further. You create an incentive for those teams to go play by games because Norlander, like you pointed out, um, nobody's going to Murray, Kentucky to play Murray State. That ain't, it just ain't happening. Just for, you know, nobody's going to Buffalo to play Buffalo. And, and those 
schools, those programs, they're not brand names. So they're not getting invited to the Jimmy V or the, you know, the old spot, whatever that tournament's called now. Like they're, for the most part, they're not getting invited where they can, you know, try to take some swings at some big boys uh, on, on somewhat equal footing. And so once you realize that, and then you realize you probably can't create under the current format an at-large resume anyway, there's no incentive for Murray State to go take an $85,000 check from, you know, Syracuse and go play, really. I mean, unless they just want to do it. But even with even if Murray State had one more, like, win over a power conference school right now, it, it wouldn't really help them that much, I don't think. And so... Um, but if you tell them, hey, you're not competing against Texas A&M and Illinois for at-large bids, you could, if, you, if you're losing your conference title game or wherever, you could end up competing against other so-called mid-majors and other so-called low-majors for uh, an at-large bid. Then, then you, I think you do have more of an incentive to maybe go play uh, one of those games. What's the problem with this? I, I'm sure there is a flaw in the idea, but what is it? Sam, you want to go first? The only adjustment I'd make to that, I'm, I'm 100% on board with this, the only adjustment I would make to it is I would want to see the four mid-major teams match up with the four high-major teams. Like, instead of having it two oh, games of mid-majors, sure. two games of uh, like high-majors, I would rather have them match up and see who should have been in the field. Yeah, well, I'm, fine, two, I'm yeah, fine with that. There's two ways of looking at this. Um, you do that, and people get ticked off you know, relatively speaking to these bracket stuff that you're putting four smalls against four bigs or you don't do that. And then they say, oh, you're guaranteeing a small gets kicked out because you're facing them against each other. So that's like a win-win or lose-lose. The only, uh, it's a good idea. Um, The tricky part is you get, uh, and this is minimal, but then you start looking at, okay, so who would be the four best teams um, in a given year uh, that qualify in terms of mid majors that won their leagues in the regular season, and if you have more than four, how do you go about selecting? No, those? no, no. And this is easy. This is easy. And first off, the criteria is going to be very strict and defined. It's we're not getting into the mid major debate, low major debate. It is. It, you have to have been from a league that would otherwise only get one bid. So basically, you decide this on Sunday of Selection Sunday. What? Okay, right. is the Horizon a one bid league? Yes. Okay. Who who got the auto? That team. Okay. Now, everybody else from that league is eligible. Now, and then, it, I, I mean, you could select it like they select everything else. I'd be fine with them if they wanted to just say, we're going to look at all teams from what, from what we have determined or one-bid leagues on Selection Sunday, and then we're just going to take the four highest RPIs. Whoever those four are, boom, put them in. I would not go. I would not go for highest RPIs. Well, whatever. Yes. I don't get like I don't care what the. You can select them. You yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You can say we could debate them, but like if you wanted That's to make a, it simple, uh, yeah. and make them try to work to get a better RPI, I, I don't care. I, take kid palm rating. I don't care what it is. Just yeah, take. No, the, listen. Yeah. I I agree with this because I mean some people are probably listening and saying, listen, man, it's the first four. It sucks. It's lipstick on a pig. But if we're gonna have it, let's try and have it as enticing as possible. I mean, I. I wish we could go back to 64. I know it's not going to happen, um, but if let's make the first like the first four is just okay, but it is still a little bit of a weird thing. It is a detached part of the NCAA tournament that nobody takes seriously. Nobody puts the t- winners of those teams uh, in their bracket. Everyone knows that pools you got to have your picks in by noon on Thursday because you wait to see who wins the first four games. Let's make it about getting teams that are interesting. That people would want to root for, that they would want to see. I um, mean, Sam, right now, can you tell me the the? Can you tell me the four at large teams in last year's first four? Can you tell me even two of them? <laughs> Tennessee, one, Iowa. 
Well, G- North Carolina State. My point is, GP, we covered it, so we'd know. But Sam wasn't like full time writing last year. Right. Like, could you even name? Yeah, North Carolina State, Iowa. Um, yeah, whatever. That's Tennessee, the point. I think maybe one more. Was UMass there? Get... No, no. It was it was it was Xavier. Xavier. But, See, okay, I mean, NC State kind of had like a ridiculous run, so we kind of remember that. But generally speaking, outside of like VCU, okay, which had like one of the crazy runs ever, obviously, and it kind of falls in the middle of what we're talking about here, um, because at the time they were not an A10 powerhouse; they weren't even in the A10 at the time. Um, First day, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, GP, you're onto something here. I have not heard it in this kind of. Um, context i've never heard someone propose it the way you have i like it i'm for it i know the ncw listens to this stuff i know all selection committee members are actually playing this podcast as they are uh, getting ready to prepare to to get together so thank you all members for listening and uh and please take Parrish's idea strongly consider it and maybe we'll get that uh, plug yeah in. take that yeah and then adjust it however you see fit but my 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 goal here to the extent that i have a goal here really i was just like you know watching and thinking and playing on twitter but i'm not trying to fix the first four i i don't really care to fix the first four i'm i i just think it's 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 incredibly more interesting like first off you again it, everybody who wins the, their league auto bid is in the main draw i think that should be important like the idea that that whoever wins the swack texas southern is not going to be in the main draw I don't, I don't, I don't like to say things like fair and unfair because I don't even think those words apply. I just think it's unfortunate, uh, and so I, I would prefer it to go the other way. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. I, just quick, quick yeah. side note. And to me, it's like if you're a 16, get the honor of of getting just pounded, right? And trounced. No, like I, let him get the one. Don't yeah, don't lose him, to another yeah, 16. Yeah, yeah, take a 16. Yeah, if you're a 16, the way it used to be, you get on a plane, you fly to this place. Suddenly, you're at the same hotel as as you know the 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 Kentucky Wildcats you're a coach and you you get to share a you know a a podium with uh or a stage with John Calipari your kids get to create this memory that will like genuinely last forever and probably be the most memorable moment of 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 their athletic careers and then you go lose whatever it's still something that you look back on finally, like, hey, man, you remember that time we played Kentucky and, you know, the, it's on CBS and, man, Willie Collingstein dunked on our boy seven times. Like, that is worth something. And, and that has been lost with the first four. And I think it's unfortunate that we lost that. And then the other thing is, it, it just, it makes it to where if you are Murray State and you are Stephen F. Austin, your entire season isn't reduced to a few days in March. Right. I, I think that I don't know that it's unfair. I just know that it's unfortunate. And how about this? Here, the other like we start looking at all the other things it could it could uh, create. And I might be stretching a little here, but I, I can't tell you how many coaches I've talked to from one bid leagues who say, you know what, I would have like loved to stay at at. Uh, how about this? I talked to Greg Marshall uh, of uh, last weekend. Now he left. Mur- he left Winthrop for Murray State because, like, it, it, it made a whole lot of sense for a whole Wichita. lot of reasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Wichita. I'm sorry. He left Winthrop for Wichita for a whole lot of reasons, but because it made sense. But one of the things he said is like, I can't remember what year it was, but like he was like, we did this, did that, did this, and then like if we would have lost in our championship game, we wouldn't have got in. Like that's a that's a hard way to live. Like playing for four months and then knowing. No matter what you did in those previous four months, it, it won't matter unless you win this next game. 
So like at some point, if you're a coach in a one bid league, you got to get out of those leagues. And so if you created a system where there was some sort of safety net for them, like, hey, try to go get the auto. But even if you don't, because you were so awesome in the regular season, uh, this new system is going to create a safety net for you where at the very least you should end up in the first four. It could create a situation where maybe uh, a, a school like that is able to keep their coach a little longer than it otherwise would. I, I just think it's uh, it, 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 tinker with it. It could be like whatever, but I think the the root of it seems to make a lot more sense than than the way we do it right now. All right, let's move on a little bit. Uh, Sam Jim Beheim skipped his post game press conference on Saturday. Um, first time, far as anybody can tell, he's ever missed a post game press conference. We're talking like thirteen hundred games here. Um, lame move or understandable and smart? You tell me. Well, I'm pretty sure that they announced yesterday. Like uh, I think Syracuse.com reported that the administration had him not go, like had him not uh, show up for the press conference. It wasn't really, it wasn't his choice. It okay, let me stop you there. You think anybody really tells Jim Beheim what to do? Um, no, get out I of mean, here. I mean, generally, Jim, no. But if I Jim Beheim like, stands up and says, hey, listen, I, I respect what you're telling me, but it's gonna, this is going to be worse if I don't show up. I've always showed up. This is my program. I released a statement 24 hours ago saying I do take responsibility for my program. I have to be there in front of that microphone. I'll say nothing over and over again, but I have to sit there in front of those cameras. That You think yeah, they really right. tell him no? Come on, no way. Yeah, and to an extent I understand it, but yeah, I agree. It was kind of a weak move. He, he needs to be there. Because he told you guys, and you can speak to this because you were at ACC Media Day, that he would, you know, like answer all the questions that you guys have or that we have once the once the report came out and once everything happened. And now he wasn't there to answer the questions. So that's definitely a major problem. Um, he needs to. He has things to answer for at this point, and we still we're still waiting. He commented last night saying that he won't. He won't leave Syracuse. He'll be back. He vows to return. Um, but he still has things to answer for. And you can speak to that better because you were at ACC Media Day. But there are definitely things that he needs to discuss publicly. Yeah, first off, the idea that you can't, uh, like, I, I don't know, sometimes, and this happens all the time in college athletics, people say, well, you know, I can't talk about that. When really there's nothing stopping them from talking about it. Like, you know, like what? Other than they, they're choosing not to. Like, there's no reason. Like, Jim Beheim could say, "Well, I can't talk about." It. Like, that was the case at ACC Media Day. It was like, "Well, you know, I can't talk." He was just, you know, smug and I mean, and not 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 uniquely smug. Like the same way he always is or typically is. And I don't even say this as like I I, I like Jim honestly. Like he's always been cool with me. But like he's just sort of like had that. Yeah, hey, this is all. If I. These aren't the words he used. This is what certainly what he suggested with his words. Hey, you guys can keep asking me about this. I ain't talking to you about this. I'd love to, but I can't. And once it all comes out, then you'll see it was all about nothing, and then I'll be happy to explain it to you. That was what he implied. And then it all comes out, and it's it's honestly probably worse than most people realized or anticipated. And then he's got nothing to say. Now, and so... Meantime, Roy Williams was literally 40 feet away, you know, talking, answering every question anybody asked. Now, he, he might not have answered them quite the way some people wanted to, but at least he sat there and didn't try to say, I can't talk about anything. He was like, listen, I'll talk about it. Keep asking. I'll keep talking. He did it for an hour. So the idea that you can't is just silly. Like, that's just, it's untrue. You can if you want. You're, you know, you, you're Jim Beheim. Secondly, 
Um, so then here we are. And it, that moment that he promised has arrived. Hey, I'll talk to you when it all comes out. Okay, we'll talk. Well, now I'm going to release a statement. If you wanted to argue, and I, I, I'd probably reject it on principle, but if you wanted to argue, hey, there's going to be an appeal process, and uh, I don't want to say anything that could jeopardize my appeal process, then I guess on some level, I on some level, I could say, okay, fine. But then you still you still got to get in front of the camera after a game, the way every coach in America gets in front of a camera after a game. You still have to show up and say, listen, I know you guys have NCAA questions, and um, and I respect that, but I can't talk about it right now because I'm going to appeal, and we're going to go through another process. And so um, this isn't over, although what happened yesterday happened yesterday. This isn't over, so I can't talk about those things now, but if you want to talk anything basketball-related, I'm happy to do it. And when this is all over, I promise you I will address the NCAA stuff. But to just not show up and trot Mike Hopkins out, I thought it was lame. Norlander, am I wrong? No, uh, I did. Uh, you are right that Beheim probably, I don't know if lawyers really heavily intervene. That would be the only thing where even if you wanted to, maybe he was resisted. Um, but then and again, a, but then don't you just, you show up and say, listen, I cannot talk about the NCAA stuff, but I'm here. I'm going to, yeah. you got to still sit in front of the camera. That's my only point. Right. I No, I, I get you. Um, and then he does, you know, he speaks Sunday at a banquet with about 700, I don't even know, a banquet, whatever it was, about right. 700 uh, Syracuse fans, essentially, um, there in downtown Syracuse. And the story's up on the site. The audio's there. You can go listen to it. He actually, he gets emotional. It takes him about 20 seconds to get out three sentences. And, uh, you know, he, he closes with, I've been here since 1962. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and then it's like 40 seconds of applause. Um, and, you know, he, he acknowledges they're going through a tough time. But the I'm not going anywhere is the uh, is kind of the sentence there where, you know, he's not in any means, if it's up to him, he has no plans on retiring. This is not going to slow him down in the coming years. Um, we'll see when he does make a statement uh, in terms of sitting down with a media member or, or having a press conference. Yeah. I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, to be honest, if he was smart, they would do it right smack dab in the middle of the tournament when no one really is paying attention because we've got – Brackets playing out. Don't know if they'll choose to do it that way, um, but this amounts to the you know the final Syracuse headline that I think will dictate our attention until maybe something happens over the summer, if even that. Right. Yeah. And I like when I, he could talk about this stuff. I guess whenever. Like I I I wasn't demanding, or I don't think anybody else was demanding that on Saturday he hold or just like randomly he needs to hold a press conference to address everything. But like. Part of being a Division One coach is showing up in the post-game press conference, and he should have been there for that, independent of everything else. And if you can't talk about the NCAA stuff, no comment the NCAA stuff. Just to to no show, literally twenty four hours after the NCAA, you know, you know hits you the way they hit you. I, I just thought that was weak. Uh, I I thought it was a bit embarrassing for a Hall of Famer who has consistently said this is my program and I take responsibility for it to not show up and sit in front of those cameras on Saturday afternoon. I just thought it was, I thought it was lame. Um, okay, yeah. um, I, we're getting to the time of the year where we're going to be voting on uh, certain awards, national player of the year, freshman of the year, coach of the year. I, I don't see how John Calipari won't be national coach of the year. Like if, you, right. if anybody votes otherwise, I think you're just, yeah. you're trying too hard. Um, but where was Bob McKillop fall on the list? A new league, Davidson picked 12th in the A-10 in the preseason. 
and they win the outright league title. That's, I mean, these adjustments from one league to another, particularly when you're you're significantly going up, um, they aren't easy. Like, look what happened to Butler in year one of the Big East. Like, it it is not an easy thing to navigate. And yet, you know, Davidson's the outright A10 champion. Sam would. Did, like McKillop's got to be on the short list, right? I mean, maybe second to Calipari, but but or, or third or fourth or whatever. But on the list somewhere, is that fair? Yeah, he'd be top five, I think. Um, I'd probably go Archie Miller ahead of him, just because that was. I, I don't know how the heck he has brought Dayton to second place in the A10 with like six scholarship players, yeah. no one over six foot six. But you know, he'd be third. Uh, he'd probably be third or fourth. I would say I, I might be forgetting someone. But he'd definitely be up there. This is an incredible, incredible coaching job. And he did it without his best or second best player, Jack Gibbs. He missed, like, I want to say five or so games mm-hmm. in the middle of the A-10 season. And yes. to, to win this league with him missing that many games, one of your best players missing that many games, is an even bigger accomplishment. It's an incredible, incredible coaching job. They outscore teams like crazy. Their defense is... They know that they are going to struggle to defend people, so they just outshoot them and outgun them, and they do it as well as anyone else in the country. And they're one of the most fun teams to watch, and I'm really excited for the A10 tournament this weekend. And I think it's going to be really fun. And I yeah, would Davidson is uh, uh, McKillop is definitely a top five coaching candidate along with Archie. Um, I don't know if we can properly uh, frame how difficult and ridiculous it is that a, a, a school. First of all, Davidson is practically an ivy in terms of the way that it its size, the way uh, that it uh, emphasizes academics, the guys who are able to get in. I've talked with McKillop about this at recruiting events. Um, it is ext- And he's been there forever, and he's done a tremendous job. Um, to have that uh, program in a, in a league like the SOCON jump to the A-10 with a SOCON roster and mm-hmm. win it is just... It, honestly, it's fairly ridiculous. Um, you, Calipari should be and is the coach of the year, but in terms of uh, expectation, talent, and what was actually achieved here, sure. you can definitely make the argument that McKillop actually uh, did more, and he certainly did more with less. Um, Davidson should be in the tournament. Palm finally put them in over the weekend. He had not put them into his field uh, at all leading up to this point, but now he's got them at an 11. Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily win the A-10 tournament because I think that league, I think that's going to be a really, really fun bracket. I think we could have some chaos there in Brooklyn. Um, but for them to get the win uh, was huge uh, and kind of a, you know, kind of just to kind of turn the weekend here. It was kind of a wild weekend. We talked about Belmont Murray State. Uh, guys, I cannot believe that Yale lost that game. I mean, if you look at what happened, <laughs> like it's not just the shot, but it's the play before the shot where it's it's a botched inbounds pass. Dartmouth gets it underneath its basket. Yale was winning by five points with 36 seconds to go. This team has not made the tournament since 62, and it had a choking like quality to it. Now they're going to play Harvard on Saturday for the Ivy title in Philadelphia at the Palestra. I think that's fantastic. Um, but that is just, I mean, that that was ridiculous. Louisville winning over Virginia. And I do want to get our just our predictions on who will be the one seeds before we end this podcast. Um, Virginia loses because a dude who had taken one field goal attempt since January 31st was rightfully wide open from 16 feet and just cash moneyed that shot. I thought that kind of locked in Louisville to a five-seater better, maybe even a four, because um, they were kind of wobbling there. But I thought that was pretty huge. 
And LSU, in my opinion, uh, locked up a bid when Keith Hornsby drained a three from the corner to beat Arkansas on the road. I don't know if I'll pick LSU to win a game because they're honestly so up and down. But you can't deny that they're going to make the uh, they're going to make the tournament. And then, of course, I don't even think you mentioned Duke Carolina, which was terrific. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. All right, so all right, so Duke and so Duke wins. In my opinion, now because Duke has, I know Duke has more losses than Virginia, and I know that Virginia hasn't had Justin Anderson. Uh, but here's my way of looking at it. In the pecking order, I would go Duke, then Virginia, because Duke has something Virginia can't claim. Duke can claim two road wins, road wins, against teams in the number one seed conversation in Virginia and Wisconsin. Virginia can't say that. So I would go Kentucky, Duke, Virginia, Villanova, and I actually think that before, as we kind of project before we get to uh, conference tournament play, I think... Those are going to be the one seeds, even though, like, you watched Wisconsin yesterday just roll Ohio State, who I'd love to pick in the tournament because of D'Angelo, but this could be something of a weird wasted year for, for that program in Russell. I mean, I, I, I can't see myself, like, picking them to have some sort of Sweet 16 run behind Russell's awesome play. I mean, Wisconsin just dominated them. So they're in it still. Uh, Kansas is in it because if they win the Big 12 tournament title, you can't put them out, and obviously Arizona. But I do think it is going to be... I don't think Kentucky's going to lose. I think Virginia and Duke are going to reach the ACC title game. And, like, Villanova's 29-2, and two, guys. Like, no, the, the, the one seeds right now, I think you've got them exactly right. It should be Kentucky, Duke, uh, Virginia, Villanova. I think on Selection Sunday, so, like, you know, less than a week from now, I think Duke-Virginia will sort itself out. I think one, one will be a one, one will be a two, and they'll figure that out in this tournament. I think ultimately on Selection Sunday, Kentucky – Villanova, Wisconsin, and either Duke or Virginia. Sam, where are you at? Um, I still have Virginia ahead of Duke in the pecking order of this. Mm. Like they, they have three, or I want to say that Duke might have three worse losses this season than any of Virginia's. Like, yeah, but they're head. To, they have one head to head on Virginia's floor, and Duke won it. Like that, I, and Duke has the win. See, that that doesn't bother me. Head to head, like I consider head to head as far as like a resume building thing, like. Virginia can't claim that they beat Duke. They beat like a, they can't claim that they beat a top five team, whereas Duke can claim that they beat a second top five team. But like I don't really consider it like head to head. Like oh, Virginia beat they Duke, will, but so, the committee will. Duke like the Virginia. committee will take that into account. Will they? You know, and will ultimately, they we're talking about ones and twos, and they might you know whatever. But um, the committee will definitely recognize that Duke won on Virginia's floor and use that to toward to help Duke. Yes. Yeah, I, I just think what. One way or another, they'll sort that out in the ACC tournament, and then and then as long as Wisconsin, Villanova, and Kentucky, well, for, Kentucky's a one no matter what. Like, Kentucky could lose yeah. its first game. Kentucky is the overall number one, even if they lose their next game. Yes. But okay, hold on. So if Virginia beats Duke in the ACC title game, I think both are going to be one seeds. You guys both disagree with that? I think they both could. I I, I think it it'll it'll. I think it would depend on what would happen in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Ter- Big I don't think Arizona defense. can get there. I, I don't. I don't think Arizona. I mean, their losses are. And, but Arizona, I, I, I hear you. But Arizona also has something that no one else can claim in terms of having what four wins against top seven teams. So, but their losses are like, yeah, the Oregon State loss. I think. Let's. Just, let, yeah, I, I think there, there's a way. Here's what I'll tell you: if, if Kentucky's a one, no matter what, if Villanova and Wisconsin both went out. Which is possible because I, I think they're significantly better than anybody else in their league, right? So they they're going right. to be yeah. you know more than a one possession favorite in in every game they play before Selection yeah. Sunday. So if if Nova Wisconsin went out, 
then there's no way Duke and Virginia both get ones. Then they'll have to settle that. And I think the winner will get a one. If they whoever goes further in the in the ACC tournament will get a one, and the other will get a two. Uh, but if Wisconsin or Nova were to lose early or, or at all, then I think it opens the door for two ACCs to be ones. But if if Wisconsin and Villanova went out, then then the ACC is only going to have one one seed. Okay. I don't see how Wisconsin and Villanova could win out and both of them not get one. Especially, honestly, especially Villanova. Yeah, I know. Especially, especially Villanova. To me, listen, all these teams are really good, uh, and we kind of get too much into should they be one seed talk as opposed to like how good they are and their chances are of of going deep. But it's one seed, like it's sexy. It's a sexy topic, and um, I'm just so intrigued by all these teams chasing them because. You know, Wisconsin has the Rutgers loss, but they didn't have Kaminsky. But even without Kaminsky, they should win that game, even right. though it's a road game. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, Arizona looks like one of the three best teams in the country right now. Yeah, no, uh, I'm fine. Yeah. When I say I don't think Arizona could be a one, that doesn't mean I don't think Arizona can win a national championship. I just don't think they're yeah. going to have a one resume on Section Sunday, but I might pick them to go to the Final Four, even if they're the two in whatever region. Here's something that I found interesting. You guys helped me out with it. Seems like there's this um, crusade over the past week about you got to keep Wisconsin out of Kentucky's region or else it would be the worst thing that ever happened in the history of right. organized sports which is fine i guess but like why why is that why has that become yeah, a talking point like who who de- who decided this was a big deal that needs to be talked about uh well i, I haven't even Sam heard this yet you haven't really? oh no no yeah no at eisenberg our buddy jeff eisenberg at yahoo wrote it about two weeks ago and then other people have kind of picked up on it basically it's a big deal because <laughs> and it goes this cuts both ways um because you're gonna have a situation due to geography, uh, the committee seeds one through four are given geographic preference uh, for the second weekend to have yeah. shorter travel and to, uh, frankly, to allow as many fans as reasonably possible oh, okay. to show up to these games. So, because it's in Cleveland this year, Kentucky's going to get Cleveland, and then every other uh, two seed and consider or the strongest two seed, which should be Wisconsin possibly, uh, will also get Cleveland. So then, what you get is you get Kentucky having Kentucky fans get to moan because they get the toughest two seed uh and the two seed the best two seed which probably will be wisconsin but uh maybe it'll be uh virginia which will be closer uh to cleveland than it would be to any other site um the toughest two seed uh gets to moan because it gets kentucky and so what you're doing is instead of going with an s curve one two three four five six seven eight for ones and two seeds you're jamming the best one against the best two ignoring the fact that the one and the two we like and this is just off the top of my head, but one out of every four regions, usually per year, maybe 1.5 regions per year, actually see the one play the two. I mean, there's just no guarantee you're going to get that. And the committee's job, and you'll probably hear Scott Barnes, the chair, say this because he's going to get grilled about it when this inevitably happens. It's not the committee's job to project the tournament and project the teams and project that the one will play the two. It's the committee's job to their best uh, ability to see the teams based off of what they've achieved up to Selection Sunday. Yeah, like just of all the things to get up in arms about, I, the the idea that Wisconsin and Kentucky might be in the same region is way down the list for me. I don't like I I don't really care. Yeah, I was actually going to bring this up in the last conversation we had too. Would you rather be the two seed in the East or the one seed in the West if you're Virginia or if you're Villanova? Because if you're the two seed in, or if you're the one seed in the West. You're probably going to have to go to Anaheim to play Arizona. It's your two seed, and that's going to be basically a home game for Arizona. Oh, I don't. So mean, I would rather. rather be, I would honestly. I'd rather be. Just get me out of Kentucky. I'd probably, 
I don't care. I'd rather be out of Kentucky's region. If we're saying that's the most unbeatable team, and they're not unbeatable, but they're unbeaten. Uh, if we say that's the biggest giant in the whole thing, and we, you know, and resume builders are Final Fours banners or Final Four banners, then I'd rather. I, I'd, I'd rather. I, if I think every, basically everybody agrees, the the easier path to a Final Four is in any region outside of Kentucky's region. So like, I don't, yeah, yeah, keep me away from, I, if I'm Wisconsin, let me well, be clear. I, I, I would want to be kept away from Kentucky, but as like a college basketball observer, I, I, I like, this has become a talking point over the last week. And I just, I don't, I didn't really understand why people cared that much. And it's going to, you know, by I, the way, this is going to continue. I, I'm telling you, Kentucky and Calipari and Kentucky fans, they're going to think, and they might, it might happen like this. And not just because of the two, but Calipari's already been on record. I heard him uh, on radio. Uh, he said it. They, they think they're going to get the toughest region. So it's going to be this thing where the committee wants to screw Kentucky and give them the toughest. Like I, We don't have to give that really much credence at all, if anything, on Monday, next Monday's podcast. But I'm just telling you it's coming. I just don't believe. I just fundamentally do not believe that the commit. Like, I got, I'll have issues with what the committee does and does not do and whatever, the same way everybody does. It's such a subjective process. I just don't believe people are genuinely in a room trying to, quote, screw Kentucky. That's not happening. <laughs> I just no. don't, I just don't think, I don't think, like, they might just mess up and do dumb things. But the idea that people are out to screw other people, like, even last year, so just to make sure everybody, the, the, I, I don't, I, I'm not trying to have it both ways. I don't think the committee was out to screw Wichita State last year necessarily. Right. I, I just think that sometimes, like, you can find, and this is what I found when I used to do these brackets before we wisely hired Jerry Palm. Um, it doesn't matter how you put it together. Once you put it together, you can find all sorts of stuff that looks kind of fit. Like you, ooh, look at that one, Patino versus Patino, or you know, uh, Patino versus Mazziello, whatever. Um, but, but like, it doesn't matter how you put it together because there's so many combinations. You're just going to find things, and so I, just the idea. And you're right, we will hear it if it's Wisconsin at a two in Kentucky's region. But I just, I just fundamentally don't believe that people are like, hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put Wisconsin in the same region as Kentucky so that we can screw the Wildcats and Big Blue Nation. I just don't think people work like that. I I agree. But I but I do recognize other people think people work like that. Among them, among them, John Calipari. <laughs> so yes. so yeah, so get ready for that. Last thing before we get out of here. Um I think this is a bit off the radar yesterday, but Larry Brown won a conference title. It's the first for SMU in like 22 years. Um, and it, just another reminder that, you know, that he's still really, really good. You can take Emmanuel Moutier off his roster. You can take Justin Martin off his roster. Um, you know, he still was a, uh, who else did they lose? They lost somebody else. Well, they didn't um, have, they lost uh, Justin Martin. Like yeah. Justin Martin, Emmanuel never didn't enrolled. Have Kennedy at the start of the year. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah. oh, but then who, else? the academic stuff. Well, they had Marcus Kennedy out for no. like no Keith Frazier. Keith Frazier, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, thought you, I thought you had said Frazier. Sorry. Oh no, no, no. Oh yeah. yeah. So they basically three dudes that they thought were going to be on the rotation in July uh, ended up not being a part of the team, and yet still Larry Brown in a you know in a league with Memphis, Cincinnati, and UConn uh, wins the league title. Awesome achievement in a vacuum, but is it hard to celebrate because we know this NCAA stuff is looming? Like, uh, <laughs> like how do you how do you how do you balance those things? Or do you at all? Do you just say whatever? Who cares? Uh, Sam, you want to take it? 
Well, I think that I think it's a really good accomplishment, and I think it's something that should be celebrated until the NCAA stuff comes down. I mean, why why wouldn't you derive joy out of this? Just I mean, it's going to hurt once the NCAA stuff does come down, but you know, derive joy out of it for now. Um, be happy that your team won. Uh, what whatever was going on down there worked. Um, so so just be happy about that. Yeah, I no. I, let me let me rephrase. I don't. I don't. SMU fans should celebrate it for the same reason. Yeah. You know, Syracuse fans should celebrate. You know, whatever it is they want to celebrate. Like what fans are fans. I'm talking about if I were to, and I'm not going to, but if I were to sit down and write a column and say, my God, Larry Brown is amazing. Look, just took SMU to a league title, first time in 22 years. Would the pushback immediately be, Yeah, he cheated to get it. Wait till this NCAA stuff come down. You're going to look like an idiot, Parrish. I mean, is that? That, that's what I'm Maybe. talking about. That's I mean, what I'm sure. I'm sure that's what the reaction right. would be like. If you if you look in like a comment section on CBS Sports <laughs> I'm sure that that's what people would say. Right. I mean, they still say it about Calipari or whatever. Right. Um, but still, it's Sam is referencing from Larry Brown because sections. he lost Don't read the comments. Guys. Yes, I agree with that. Do not read the comments. Yeah, but even with like when they do it with Calipari, it's 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 rooted in like ghost and stuff. You know, it's not actually yeah. rooted in like. Like, with SMU, just so we understand the difference here, like, the NCAA stuff is coming. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's it going to get them the same way. I don't know about the same way, but it, it it's not like, hey, you know, I wonder what's going on at, at Kentucky. These, You know, it's not like one of those, like, little whisper type stuff. It's like, no, there's been an investigation. There is going to be a, a notice about, you know, that all it's, NCAA is going to get SMU for something. And so yeah. that's the difference here. It's not this idea that maybe it was fishy. There's, like, a, a legitimate... Um, like investigation into the program. And so I just sort of thought about that yesterday as, um, you know, on one hand you go, my God, Larry Brown at, you know, conference championship at SMU, this is amazing. And yet if you try to express that from our perspective in any way, um, y- you might end up getting caught in a situation where you- you'd like to go spike the column, you know, three years later. Uh, right. because, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just yeah. thought that was interesting. I yesterday. Don't, yeah. No, and just still in terms of like, basketball sense, SMU will very much be a matchup. Like, I don't even know if I'll pick him to win a game. I don't know. Well, see, he's done a good job this year, Larry Brown has. And, you know, the yeah. the conference, I guess, you know, it needed kind of a clear-cut, uh, strong team. And, and SMU ran away with it. Um, but we'll we'll see. I mean, they're they're okay. They're, they're a solid team. Getting to the tournament is a huge uh, thing for that program because it's, it's freaking SMU. Um, but we'll see how they play in their league. We'll see how they play in the American. I'm not convinced they're going to win their uh, their conference tournament. And then seeding from there, um, we'll see how that plays out. No, SMU is like a joke in Conference USA, and and now it's like winning a league that UConn's also in. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah. That is pretty amazing when you think yeah. of it in those terms. All right, let's get out of here. It's been 50 minutes for crying out loud. Remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast over on iTunes. That's the quickest way uh, to get your hands on the latest edition. So make sure you do that and. And regardless, I will talk to you again on Wednesday. Take care.